Dear Father in heaven, glory be unto your name because one more day we are here. We are alive not because of our holiness or goodness or righteousness. It is your love and mercy because of your faithfulness we are not consumed, O Lord. And we are grateful. We worship you and we say all praise, glory, honor and adoration be unto your holy name now and forevermore. With this life that we have, we want to bring glory and honor to your name. We do not want to be reasoned by which heaven will be sorrowing and weeping, but we want to be a cause of rejoicing in heaven. Fulfill your will through our lives, dear Lord, and equip us with further information and strength on how to bring glory to your name, especially as we go through our devotion now, in the family, as wives and as husbands, that you will help us to glorify your name. Put your words in my mouth, that I will speak words that will be a blessing to everyone. And may your spirit be upon all of us, granting us understanding, impressing on our hearts the areas where we need to change, that we will be moldable in your hands and transformed into your image. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Gentle rebuke. I pray thee, forgive the trespass of thine handmaid, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house, because my Lord fighteth the battles of the Lord, and evil hath not been found in thee all thy days. First Samuel chapter twenty five verse twenty eight. Abigail met David with respect, showing him honor and deference and pleaded her case eloquently and successfully. While not excusing her husband's insolence, she still pleaded for his life. She also revealed the fact that she was not only a discreet woman, but a goodly woman, acquainted with the works and ways of God in David. She stated her firm faith in the fact that David was the anointed of the Lord. Abigail presented by implication the course that David ought to pursue. He should fight the battles of the Lord. He was not to seek revenge for personal wrongs, even though persecuted as a traitor. These words could have come only from the lips of one who had partaken of the wisdom from above. The piety of Abigail, like the fragrance of a flower, breathed out all unconsciously in face and word and action. The spirit of the Son of God was abiding in her soul, her speech seasoned with grace, and full of kindness and peace, shed a heavenly influence. Better impulses came to David, and he trembled as he thought what might have been the consequences of his rash purpose. A consecrated Christian life is ever shedding light and comfort and peace. It is characterized by purity, tact, simplicity, and usefulness. It is controlled by that unselfish love that sanctifies the influence. It is full of Christ and leaves a track of light wherever its possessor may go. Abigail was a wise reprover and counselor. David's passion died away under the power of her influence and reasoning. With a humble heart, he received the rebuke. He gave thanks and blessings because she advised him righteously. 
there are many who, when they are reproved, think it praiseworthy if they receive the rebuke without becoming impatient. But how few take reproof with gratitude of heart and bless those who seek to save them from pursuing an evil course. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Gentle Rebuke and it is referring to the way that Abigail addressed David. And in this address of Abigail to David, we learn what respect and reverence women are to give to their husbands. 1 Samuel 25 verse 20 downward says, And it was so, as she, as Abigail, rode on the ass, that she came down by the covert of the hill. And behold, David and his men came down against her, and she met them. Now David had said, Surely in vain I have kept all that this fellow hath in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that pertained unto him, and he had requited me evil for good. So, and more also do, un- do God unto the enemies of David, if I leave of all that pertain to him by the morning light any that pisseth against the wall. And when Abigail saw David, she hasted, and lighted off the ass, and fell before David on her face, and bowed herself to the ground, and fell at his feet, and said, Upon me, my Lord, upon me let this iniquity be, and let thine handmaid, I pray thee, Speak in thine audience, and hear the words of thine handmaid. Let not my lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and fully is with him. But I, thine handmaid, I, thine handmaid, saw not the young men of my lord, whom thou didst send. Now therefore, my lord, as the lord liveth, and as I so liveth, seeing the Lord hath withholden thee from coming to shed blood, and from avenging thyself with thine own hand, now let thine enemies and they that seek evil to my Lord be as Nabal. And now this blessing which thine handmaid hath brought unto my Lord, let it even be given unto the, the young men that follow my Lord. I pray thee, forgive the trespass of thine handmaid, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house, because my Lord fighted the battles of the Lord, and evil had not been found in thee all thy days. Yet a man is risen to pursue thee and to seek thy soul. But the soul of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of, bundle of life with the Lord thy God. And the souls of thine enemies, them shall he sling out, and out of the middle of a sling. And it shall come to pass, when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good that he had spoken concerning thee, and shall have appointed thee ruler over Israel, that this shall be no grief unto thee, nor offence of heart unto my Lord, either that thou hast shed blood, causeless, or that my Lord had avenged himself. But when the Lord shall have dealt with my Lord, then remember thine handmaid. And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent thee this day to meet me. And blessed be thy advice, and blessed be thou which has kept me this day from coming to shed blood, and from avenging myself with mine own hand. For in very deed as the Lord God of Israel liveth, which hath kept me back from hurting thee, except thou hast hasted and come to meet me, surely there had not been left unto Nabal by the morning light any that pisseth against the wall. So David received of her hand that which she had brought him, and said unto her, Go up in peace to thine house. See. 
I have hearkened to thy voice and have accepted thy person. Amen. From here, we see, I'm just wondering, where has this courtesy gone among people today? And I'm not saying this because I'm a man. Don't look at that. I'm just observing what the word of God said as to how Abigail conducted herself. I think that we as humans, as time has gone on, for one reason or the other which I cannot tell, pride has so fostered in our hearts that we excuse it and feel that it is appropriate to not do the things that we see in the word of God as we see what Abigail did here to her to David when she fell upon the ground and kneeled and begged him and spoke in such politeness to him and it's not because of a woman to a man now anybody at all can do this I remember Abraham bowing to the elders in Canaan where he lived when he requested of them that he wanted a land where we to bury his wife Sarah this politeness between man and their fellow man is, is usually not there these days especially in the cities people are too proud and I feel and I think for myself I don't know about you that I should revive such courtesy and politeness in my own life as that which Abigail showed to David today the respect that should be given to those who are elderly we do not see it the respect from the true heart where we are showing our regard for those who are in position or those who are elderly we don't see it anymore the one for husbands to wives and wives to husband is not there. But the Lord will want to bring this to our minds once again. That's just something I'm thinking about, which we'll talk about as we go on. But the first thing I want us to look at here is the vow that David made. We learn a lesson that it is not that it is not right to give a vow that is wrong and ensure that you keep it. Remember King Saul made a vow that he was going to kill anybody who took any food uh, where he declared a fast. That vow was not kept. It was a wrong vow and he was not supposed to keep it. David also made a vow here that he was going to destroy everything in Nabal's house. Not even a little child would remain. And he didn't keep that vow. Reading from Science of the Times, October 26, 1888, we are told, David had taken an oath that Nabal and his household should perish. But now he saw that it was not only wrong to make such a vow, but it would be wrong to keep it. If Herod had had the moral courage of David, no matter how humiliating it might have been, he would have retraced the oath that devoted John the Baptist's head to the acts of the executioner, that the revenge of an evil woman might be accomplished, and he would not have had upon his soul the guilt of the murder of the prophet of God. End of quote. So first lesson, if you make a vow that is wrong, that is sinful, please retract, do not keep that vow. While it is true that the word of God says whatever vow we make we must keep, when that vow is wrong, do not keep it. That's the first lesson. The second lesson, which is the major thing we're going to talk about today, which is contrasting what we studied yesterday as the independence of the wife and her individuality and the husband's role in the home not to request from the wife things that are not in harmony with the word of God. Today, we're looking at the other part of the instruction that requires that the woman should reverence her husband. That's what the Bible says. Wives are to reverence and respect their husbands. Reading from Conflict and Courage, page 169 paragraph 2 he says Abigail met David though David was not her husband but of course we can draw the lesson from here if she could respect David like this then what more her husband he says Abigail met David with respect showing him honor 
and deference and pleaded her case eloquently and successfully. While not excusing her husband's insolence, she pleaded for his life. She also revealed the fact that she was not only a discreet woman, but a godly woman acquainted with the works and ways of God in David. She stated her firm faith in the fact that David was the anointed of the Lord, end of quote. So we saw here how she spoke respectfully, not just with her words, but even in her gestures. We are told that she bowed herself, she fell on the floor and talked to David. In 1 Samuel chapter 25 verse 23 says, And when Abigail saw David, she hasted and lighted off the ass and fell before David on her face and bowed herself to the ground. You know, there is true, not all women, but there are many people who want to talk about their own part. Women want to talk about how the husband should not be exacting and critical and should not be overbearing. But woman, you too should learn that you should be reverent and respect your husband. That is what the word of God says. Wives, respect your husband. There is so much disrespect shown to men. You know, I was in a discussion some time ago and they were talking about domestic violence in the home. But we need to give due due diligence to this topic. We focus so much on domestic violence, which do not misunderstand me, is wrong. There's no excuse for it. But just as there's no excuse for domestic violence in the home, please let us also state that there is no excuse for the disrespect of a woman to her husband. And when I say domestic violence, I'm just narrowing it down to when they say a man beats his wife. That's what I'm referring to. Yes, that is not excuse, but equally, because people like to make it unequal. They make it that, oh, there's no excuse for violence from the husband. But I would say equally, not to a lesser degree, to an equal degree, there is no excuse for disrespect and irreverence and imp- and that um, lack of dignity shown by the woman to her husband, which is shown in various ways. And I would also want to reiterate for the record, although we have seen it in yesterday's devotion, that it is not just the wife that should respect the husband. The husband should respect the wife. Just because the Bible says wives respect your husband doesn't mean that the husband wouldn't do the same because love, in love there is respect. When the Bible says husbands love your wives. If you love her, you will not embarrass her in public. You will not speak evil of her. You will not insult her. You will not degrade her. You will speak to her kindly and you will address her lovingly. You will not try to insult and shout and rail at her also. So it's both ways. Both the man and the woman, they are to have that mutual respect for themselves and speak kindly one to another. But of course, when we see the Bible says wives respect your husband, it means there's another kind that is due to the husband that is uh, different from that which the husband does to the wife. For example, as we see Abigail bow down on the, on the floor to David, that's a different kind of respect that you may not expect the husband to do to his wife, for example, just bowing down and greeting the wife in that manner. That's the kind that the Bible is referring to. It is not referring to the mutual respect that is due from man to man. There's the mutual respect that is due from man to man, from husband to wife and wife to husband. There's that one. That's not what the Bible is referring to here. Here, when the Bible says, wives, respect your husbands, it is talking about 
that added reverence that is different from the usual normal respect that exists between man to man between husband and wife that exists from those who love one another there is that one but there is a different one that the bible is referring to right here when it says wives respect your husbands i want to read now something that shows what i'm talking about from testimonies volume 1 page 307 paragraph 1 it says i have been shown that there is often a great failure on the part of the wife she does not put forth strong efforts to control her own spirit and make home happy there is often fretfulness and unnecessary complaining on her part what's this fretfulness speaking in an irritated way to the husband speaking in a derogatory way to the husband speaking in an impolite disrespectful manner to the husband that will make him because you know men they don't necessarily not all not all but there are some men they don't see it as dignifying to go into exchange of words with their with their wives but the wives sometimes they can be shameless and they start to shout and make a lot of noise and even as a child think of yourself as a lady how did you feel when your parents shout at you does it not make you feel subhuman to feel that somebody will just keep shouting at you but there are wives who feel that it is their duty to raise their voices for whatever reason shout and talk disrespectfully to their husbands some of them even beat their husbands though it may not necessarily hurt him the way to hurt the wife or injure him but some of them go as far as dragging him holding his trouser holding his shirt hitting his head saying you must give me this today and all of that and the man being someone that he knows he can't touch her anywhere but she's getting physical with him the moment he gets physical with her it will be seen as domestic abuse and sometimes the woman may not necessarily get physical but she uses her words which is just as equal as getting physical don't even judge things the way man judges it if god is to judge the matter you will find out that those words you speak the word of god calls them abomination in his sight we are told in the book of proverbs 6 that there are things that are abominable in god's eyes one of them is that reviling that insult that impoliteness that word that comes out of the mouth that is insulting do not think that the Lord looks lightly on it or that he feels that the violence, the physical abuse of the man to the wife is a greater sin than the disrespect and insult and reviling and the lack of dignity shown from the wife to the husband. Don't make that mistake. In the eyes of God, they are equally evils and sins. But in the eyes of man, they excuse the woman. There is no punishment. The court does not take the court doesn't judge such cases. But when the man gets physical, or there then they, 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 let's go to court. But the moment when the wife is being impolite, railing on the husband, disrespecting him, is there a law against that in the world, in men's in men's law? You won't see a law against that for men. So don't follow the laws of men and the way they try to raise one thing up and neglect the other. Come to God's line and follow the word of God in the eyes of God. He is going to judge for such things. O woman, he will judge you for those things just as much as he would judge the man for doing the wrong things he did. So you are not excused by any means when you disrespect your husband, speaking disrespectfully to him, shouting at him, taking away his dignity from him. Know that the recording angels are taking it down and you will answer for it. So I'm continuing the reading in Testimonies Volume 1, page 307. It says, the husband comes home from labor, weary and perplexed, and meets a clouded brow instead of cheerful, encouraging words. He is but human, and his affections become weaned from his wife. 
he loses the love of his home, his pathway is darkened and his courage destroyed. He yields his self-respect and the dignity which God requires him to maintain. The husband is the head of the family as Christ is the head of the church. And any course which the wife may pursue to lessen his influence and lead him to come down from that dignified responsible position is displeasing to God. It is the duty of the wife to yield her wishes and will to her husband. Both should be yielding. But the word of God gives preference to the judgment of the husband. And it will not detract from the dignity of the wife to yield to him whom she has chosen to be her counselor, advisor, and protector. The husband should maintain his position in his family with all meekness, yet with decision. We should learn wherein we fail, and then guard ourselves upon that point. We must have perfect control over our own spirit. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. The light that shines upon our path, the truth that commends itself to our consciences, will condemn and destroy the soul or sanctify and transform it. We are living too near the close of probation to be content with the superficial work. The same grace which we have hitherto considered sufficient will not sustain us now. Our faith must be increased and we must become more like Christ in conduct and disposition in order to endure and successfully resist the temptations of Satan. The grace of God is sufficient for every follower of Christ. End of quote. From what we read just now, it's just reiterating what I was already saying. There are things, I take that line again so that we get it. It says, the husband is the head of the family as Christ is the head of the church and any course which the wife may pursue to lessen his influence and lead him to come down from that dignified position, responsible position, is displeasing to God. Do you understand? It is displeasing to God. Today, so-called love that does not understand what it is to respect someone will feel, oh, my husband will do this for me and do that for me. But you know that those things you are requiring your husband to do is taking him down from that dignified, responsible position. When you permit your husband to do things that are, I'm not specifying anything now, but you just think about it, Bisha, we can all think about it. Things that will lessen his influence and lead him to come down from the dignified position, res- responsible position, we are displeasing God. I want you to think of it this way. When you look at someone, for example, who is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, he of his own will chose to wash the foot of his disciples. If the husband chooses of his own will to wash his wife's clothes, there's nothing wrong with that. But when the wife of her own requires by law or force or complains in whatever way and he enjoys to see her husband like a slave to her. That is what is written here, that it is displeasing to God. For you have made him come down from his dignified, responsible position. The husband is like a king. And it is the king's will to of his own submit himself, humble himself, but not that he should be humbled by his subjects. So that's what I'm saying here. It doesn't mean that there are works in the home that a man cannot do, whether it's to cook the food, to wash the clothes and all that, or to change the baby's nappy and all that. He can't do that. 
but let him do it in his own will just as the lord said i lay down my life of my own will and i can take it back again it is not for the wife to be telling him this is what you ought to do you you should have have your own share of the burden in the house and walk with me go and fetch the water go and do this go and do that making him to be under a control that makes him to lose his responsible position and his dignity it is displeasing to god first peter chapter 3 reading from verse 1 says likewise ye wives be in subjection to your own husbands that if any obey not the word they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold and or of putting on of apparel but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of god of great price for after this manner in the old time the holy women also who trusted in god adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands even as sarah obeyed abraham calling him lord whose daughters you are as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement I've been in situations where this passage is brought up in 1st Peter 3 verse 6 where Paul said even as Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord they say charity begins at home but in many families that's not the case charity begins outside but that kind of family where there's charity out there but there's no charity in the home that shows that they are just pretending what do I mean you see men who would go outside their homes and will treat other women with kindness with respect and with love but their own wives they treat them with contempt and you see women they are very they are very nice and pleasant to men outside oh they will bow down and say yes sir yes sir thank you sir but to their own husbands they cannot do it they look down on him what are we doing are we bringing sorrow to ourselves who are you supposed to show that great respect, O oh man? Is it not your wife? And wife, who are you supposed to show that respect to? Is it not your husband? Why are you cold towards yourselves? But when you go out there, you feel very okay to make people love you. So you show them so much respect because you want them to like you. And the man, to both husband and wife, when we go outside, we put up our best behaviors. And we are so kind. We are so loving. We are so nice. We are so respectful to people out there. But when we come within our homes, oh, all the niceties dropped why we have seen each other finish like they say familiarity has has breeded contempt but is that how it ought to be in a christian home the more we come closer to each other we are not to allow familiarity to breed contempt we are supposed to reserve our highest respect for ourselves in the home and the greatest kindness and love should be shown within the home and not to go out there looking for people to love you and then you put up your best behavior but when you come to the home you feel oh this one is already in my pocket my husband is already in my pocket my wife is already in my pocket i don't need to put my best behavior i've already gotten him he's mine i've already gotten her she's mine so no need to give them that um, nice behavior that i give to the people outside that shows that we are just pretenders some women who in my opinion based on their reaction are just proud and cannot be like abigail or sarah say to themselves god forbid i will not call my husband lord they are afraid of giving him a power that will make him feel like he has 
he's going to exercise some arbitrary rule over them and i understand the fear but if you understand your role as a woman you shouldn't have that fear if you call your husband lord and he wants to exercise greater power or undue um take undue responsibilities or take your right away from you it shouldn't trouble you why because even if he asks you to do what you're not supposed to do you can still call him lord and while calling him lord tell him you're not going to do what he asks you to do while still calling him lord when he's telling you to do something that is not in harmony with god's word you can say to him lord i will not still do it in respect and reverence the lord that you call your husband doesn't take away from you anything except your heart is proud or you feel like you don't you, you are like that scene where you feel like if there's no equality if he, if i call him lord why does he call me lord also and you feel that there's some lack of equality there but our example is set forth for us in the word of god even as sarah obeyed abraham calling him lord does that mean every wife should start calling their husband lord that's not what it means but it would be well if somebody can follow that example there's certainly nothing wrong with that just as we expect men to follow their own part and do their own work nourishing and cherishing the wife and taking care of her even as god christ took care of the church what then is it to the wife to call the husband lord seeing that he is doing his responsibility in taking care of her in blessing her in nourishing her in doing his own duty is it a big deal is it a big deal it is not a big deal by any means if he is treating her like a queen even though he's not saying it with his mouth then it's no big deal for her and even if she is not we are told that the wife should submit it not submit to every demand now that's not what i mean but to respect him nevertheless just as servants are to respect their masters not just the good ones but even those that are not good now what i have just said does not excuse any man from hitting his wife by any means in the devotion we had yesterday we already talked about how a man should give his wife her rights and he is to love and cherish and nourish her now if the man is doing this most likely he will get the respect and reverence that he deserves from his wife but what does the wife do even when the man is not doing this she should still respect him and abuse physical abuse or verbal abuse from any one of them whether it is from the wife to the husband or the husband to the wife should not be done in the home if the lord is in that home if christ is dwelling in both spouses this will not happen we must allow our counsel to be evenly balanced just because the world does not give due attention to how a woman treats her husband doesn't mean that we as Christians shouldn't give attention to it. You wouldn't see on social media the story of how a woman talked to her husband or how she disrespected him or how she treated him treated him without dignity. It doesn't make the news. But just as soon as the man beats the wife, it makes the news. Both of them should make the news. Both of them will make anyone to miss the kingdom of God women should understand this but then again i'll go to talk about the men now the truth is that men need to give the due due kindness and love to the wife and um, by the grace of god it will awaken in her that spirit of reverence reading from testimonies on sexual behavior page 30 paragraph 2 it says you speaking to a man now you should never set yourself above your wife she needs kindness and love which will be reflected back to you again if you expect her to love you 
you must earn this love by manifesting love and tenderness in your words and actions for her. You have in your keeping the happiness of your wife. Your call says to her, in order for you to be happy, you must yield your will up fully to mine. You must submit to my pleasure. You have taken special delight in exercising your authority because you thought you could do so. But time will show that if you pursue the course your, temp- your own temperament would lead you to do, that's for those men who are always angry and shouting at their wives and all that, if you continue like that, you will not inspire in the heart of your wife love, but will wean her affections from you. And she will in the end despise that authority, the power of which she has never felt before in her married life. You are certainly making hard and bitter work for yourself and you will reap what you are sowing. End of quote. So it works two ways. Both, if we want to have a happy family, both spouses should do what they can to bring about happiness in the home, kind words, affection shown constantly between each other, understanding, listening to one another. These are the things that bring about a happy home. And of course, following the commandments of God, which is the most important. Okay. Like I was talking about before, in the home, there are times when things can become really dirty and ugly and people, both husband and wife, their spirit is stirred up and people may say words that they are not supposed to say. You know, devil is coming in at that time and both husband and wife need to take care that they do not say things that they will regret. In Testimonies, Volume 1, page 308, paragraph 1, we are told, Our efforts to resist the attacks of Satan must be earnest and persevering. He employs his strength and skill in trying to turn us out of the right way. He watches our going out and our coming in, that he may find opportunity to hurt or destroy us. He works most successfully in darkness, injuring those who are ignorant of his devices. He could not gain advantage if his method of attack were understood. The instrument he employs to effect his purposes and transmit his fiery darts are often the members of our own families. End of quote. So, what should we do when one of the spouses, that's a member of the family, disrespects the other? When such things happen, it can be very trying. In the marriage, it may seem as if the union is about to break. But we are told, say now continuing, it says, Those who we love may speak or act unguardedly, which may wound us deeply. It was not their intention to do this. But Satan magnifies their words and acts before the mind and thus hurls a dart from his quiver to pierce us. We brace ourselves to resist the one whom we think has injured us, and by so doing, we encourage Satan's temptations. Instead of praying to God for strength to resist Satan, we suffer our happiness to be marred by trying to stand for what we term our rights. Thus, we allow Satan a double advantage. We act out our aggrieved feelings and Satan uses us as his agents to wound and distress those who did not intend to injure us. The requirements of the husband may sometimes seem unreasonable to the wife, when if she should calmly, candidly take the second view of the matter in as favorable a light for him as possible, she would see that to yield her own way and submit to his judgment, even if it conflicted with her feelings, would save them both from unhappiness and would give them great victory over the temptations of Satan." End of quote. Remember that we are told that Abigail was a wise reprover and counsellor. David's passion died away under the power of her influence and reasoning, and he received her uh, rebuke 
with a humble heart. Abigail knew that David was wrong to do what he was doing, but we can only admire the tact, reverence and respect with which she addresses the issue. She did not try to show him his foolishness or question him disrespectfully or question his position as a man of God, which some people will do and say, if you are a man of God, why did you do this? Or they might say, shame on you. You said you are a man of God and see what you are doing. He was wrong, but she didn't rub it in his face. She didn't disdain him or ridicule or mock him. She still spoke respectfully and reverently to him. A soft answer does turn away wrath. Many women will do well to learn from the example of Abigail. David was in the wrong and Abigail still spoke respectfully to him. Your husband may be doing something wrong. It's no excuse to raise your voice, shout at him, disrespect him and all of that. You can still speak politely and kindly just like Abigail and plead with him to do right. You may escalate issues when you don't do it that way. You may arouse the pride of the man's heart. When you know you, you have an opportunity not to do that, then why do something that will arouse the pride? Is not better to follow the right course and help the person? Of course, it is better. In reference to this about the way the woman addresses her husband, we read from Testimonies on Sexual Behavior, page 28, it says, to a lady whose name is Mary and her husband John and the way she was addressing her husband, we, we read here, it says, Mary, I wish in all sisterly and motherly kindness to kindly warn you upon another point. I have often noticed before others a manner you have in speaking to John that's her husband, in rather a dictating manner, the tone of your voice sounding impatient. Mary, others notice this, and you can put your name there, any lady who is whether single or married, for yourself just so that it can apply to you personally. It says, Mary, others notice this and have spoken of it to me. It hurts your influence. We, women, must remember that God has placed us subject to the husband. He is the head, and our judgment and views and reasonings must agree with His, if possible. If not, the preference in God's word is given to the husband, where it is not a matter of conscience. We must yield to the head. End of quote. Does that sound balanced to you? While the man is told to love his wife, the wife is also told, yield to the husband, as far as it's not a matter of conscience. We are told, look at the last statement there. She didn't say we should. We must yield to the head. For more information on how the rights, what the rights of a woman is in marriage and how to preserve, how she should preserve her identity and individuality, we can look at the devotion we had yesterday that is titled An Unmatched Pair. So, these instructions are important for us to understand our roles and what God expects from us in marriage. The wife is to ensure that she doesn't treat her husband with indignity and speaks to him in a respectful, just like we saw in Abigail, very respectful, kind manner. Like I said, it doesn't mean you have to call the husband Lord, but there's nothing wrong in doing that. There's nothing wrong in doing that. There's nothing wrong in calling your husband Lord or something of that nature. It must not be the word Lord, but just addressing him with respect and a woman who is under the control of the Spirit of God is a great blessing to her husband just as Abigail was for David though she was not his wife but she was a blessing to Nabal 
by helping him to prevent his death by speaking to David. Another lesson we learn is we should learn to de-escalate issues and not to fail them. Avoid discussions of disagreement in the home. As you see in the case of Abigail, she didn't go to discuss with Nabal the disagreement she had with him. She simply went to deal with the issue without telling him. And also, when she went to meet David, she didn't try to escalate the issue. She tried to calm it down. In Adventist on page 119, paragraph 2, we are told, concerning a man who had a disagreement with his wife, maybe they have different opinions, and they disagreed on the matter, he kept on rubbing it in. We are told, your spirit is wrong. When you take a position, you do not weigh the matter well and consider what must be the effect of your maintaining your views and in an independent manner weaving them into your prayers and conversation when you know that your wife does not hold the same views as that you do. Instead of respecting the feelings of your wife and kindly avoiding, as a gentleman would, those subjects upon which you know you differ, you have been forward to dwell upon objectionable points and have manifested a persistency in expressing your views regardless of any around you. You have felt that others have no right to see matters differently from yourself. These fruits do not grow upon the Christian tree. As we go and look into the marriage relation and even our human interrelationships with people, we learn this lesson of politeness and humility, kindness and courtesy in our relation with one another. And of course, there are times when this is a gentle rebuke, but there is a time for the voice of stern rebuke as that which John did to um, Herod and also Elijah to Ahab and Nathan to David. There are are times when that is needed and Jeremiah did. The Lord raised his prophets to give the voice of stern rebuke when people were in error and leading others in in the blind, leading the blind into a ditch. The Lord raised his prophets to give stern rebukes. But there is a time we should understand for gentle rebuke also, especially is it the case in the home, especially is it the case for womanhood when relating to their husbands that when you want to correct him it should be that voice of gentle rebuke and also the husband to the wife it should be the voice of gentle rebuke in the home fostering unity and helping one another to grow in christ jesus as we look at the life of abigail i pray that the spirit which actuated her will also actuate us and the final thing we look at is that david received the rebuke cheerfully. Like we saw, some people think it a good thing in themselves when they receive rebuke without complaining or going impatient. Rebuke is not such an easy thing to receive. Let us make no mistake about that. When we receive, when we get corrections from people, we can rise up against them and get offended because they are correcting us. That is a, that's already what's expected of the flesh. But then, it takes the Spirit of God for us to receive correction patiently. But David didn't just receive correction patiently. Like we read, how many bless those who correct them? It says here, With a humble heart, he received the rebuke. He gave thanks and blessings because she advised him righteously. There are many who, when they are reproved, they think it praiseworthy if they receive the rebuke without becoming impatient. But how few take reproof, not just without becoming impatient, but with gratitude of heart, and bless those who seek to save them from pursuing an evil course. How many have you, on the other hand, instead of blessing those who correct you in love, you go backbiting them and you go speaking evil of them? Or some of us just stop at, impatient, at um, being patient, okay, I've received a rebuke. 
But the Lord wants us to rise up higher in this lesson by blessing those who rebuke us, blessing those who correct us. It's a step higher, another standard for us to reach. And for me, I pray the Lord will help me and I pray for you too that we will rise to this standard. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, a lot of practical truths for us to do in the home and in our human interrelationships with one another. The pride of the human heart is so great that these lessons make it difficult for us to do exactly what we are told, whether it is in behaving humbly towards others in reverence and politeness, or whether it is in receiving rebuke and blessing those who rebuke us, or whether it is in permitting the dignity of the husband in the home, or humbling ourselves to speak reverently as Sarah did to Abraham, calling him Lord or whether it is as a husband helping the wife. Some people are afraid of being called names because they will stoop low to help their wives. These things affect our human pride. Lord, I pray that our pride shall be laid down in the dust as we behold our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the highest and the holiest. Come down to this earth to help us. Lord, may all our pride lay down in the dust and may we not feel it's a big thing to humble ourselves, to be polite to one another, as wives to husbands and husbands to wives, and as friend to friend and man to man. And I pray, Lord, that you give us this grace that we may bless those who reprove us. Help us in this matter, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.